Hi guys and welcome to Waiting in the Wings with me, Lucy and Anthony. So welcome back to our ninth episode, which is very exciting. Uh, So for those of you who are uh, new to the podcast still, um, we are two theatre lovers living in London and this podcast is mainly about talking about all things musical theatre. What's on a musical theatre? What's happening? What's in the scene? What's the 411? What's the cool jam? What everyone has been up to. Awesome. So let's start with the overture. Let's go. Wonderful. So uh, I am going to be talking about the news this week. It's not been a crazy busy couple of weeks, actually. I swear it was ages since we last filmed the last podcast. So I feel feel like it's been years ago. So uh, the first thing that's happened is the uh, casting of Falsettos has just been announced literally today with Matt Cardle from The X Factor to be leading. Um, There is a lot of star casting going on at the minute, uh, which I'm going to be again talking about with the next casting I'll be announcing. But what do you feel about Matt Cardo going in? Obviously, Matt Cardo's had a bit of history when it comes to musical theatre. He was in Once. And he was in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Opinions? I I haven't seen him in either. I mean, when he performed in The X Factor, I don't think he struck me as a musical theatre performer. No, but he was like phenomenal in The X Factor. He was like one of my favourite ever X Factor winners. I thought he's so good. But yeah, interesting. I'm excited. But I also to see. feel like maybe his characters in Memphis and Once are they both actor musicians? Uh, Once is definitely. I can't remember if Memphis was. I did. I never saw Memphis, so I don't know. Uh, comment, <laughs> comment below. Let us know. Was he an actor muso? But I think he could do a good job. Is Falsettos is gonna be amazing? I guess. He doesn't uh, strike me as quite a funny person. Isn't Falsettos supposed to be yeah, hilarious? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a co- it's comedy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Interesting. But um, he's been uh, put up alongside people like Laura Pitt-Pulford and Natasha Barnes. So uh, there's a lot of big musical theatre people mm. in there anyway. So regardless of whether Matt Cardle is good or not, which I'm sure he will be, the others I'm sure are going to be absolutely amazing. On to our next one, which is even more interesting. Um, are you a fan of The Inbetweeners, Lucy? Yeah. So Blake Harrison, who I... Is, Plays I, Neil. Neil has been cast as Ogie in Waitress. <laughs> So we have to have a bit of discussion about <laughs> about the waitress casting that's happening at the minute. So for those of you who are not in tune with everything that's happening with waitress or haven't been caught up, obviously Lucy Jones, who was an X Factor, another X Factor finalist, star actually, yeah. finalist, uh, is going to be replacing Catherine McPhee, or has already replaced Catherine McPhee yeah. as Jenna, with Ashley Shipton from the Pussycat Dolls as Dawn. Um, there was obviously a lot of backlash towards this because people were very upset that... Um, Laura Baldwin, who originally played Dawn, has been put into kind of a backseat role because she's mm-hmm. not been kicked out of the show. They want her to return at the end of summer. Yeah, she's like basically a swing. So she doesn't go oh, on. she's still there. But she's still there as a standby. So, yeah. Apparently one of the ensemble walked out over it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard some interesting things. But uh, g- going on from that, like, I'm un- very unsure about this casting. Blake Harrison, has he ever done anything <laughs> performing? Like, can he sing? Can he dance? I mean, the original Ogie was questionable. Yeah. Ernest singing. Yeah. What if he's amazing? I kind of want to go back because, like, Neil is... But of all the in-between is, like, Neil. But, like, yeah. I, I just... Like, Waitress are really grinding my gears a bit with these castings because, like, you're, you are taking out a lot of really good people. Like, Laura Baldwin was... Phenomenal. One of the standouts, definitely, in the show as Dawn. To be replaced by Ashley Shipton, who... Isn't at all like the casting, in my opinion. Like, Ashley Shipton's, like, blonde. She's beautiful. Uh, she's beautiful. And she's very, like, a confident, yeah, charismatic uh, uh, performer. Um, 
and Harris Dawn, who's this kind of like awkward, like Quirky. kind of yeah, introverted character. But then also like acting. Yeah, true. I mean, again, maybe that's why they've done it because they want us to go and be like, oh, I'm intrigued. But yeah, Blake it, it seems to me that that waitress is saying that they need a star yeah. in order to sell tickets. And I don't think you should, if a show is good or we want a show to be good, should we need star casting? You know, like I feel like a show should be able to stand on its own two feet. Yeah. Because I feel like Lucy Jones is a big enough of a name. Obviously, she's just finished the tour. She finished the tour of Legally Blonde. Yeah. Then she went over to Rent. Uh, you should Rent. Yeah. And then I think she's just done some little stints there. And... Yeah. But she did rent before Lily Bond. Oh, did she? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a weird one. Like Lucy Jones is kind of quite established now in the in the West End scene. She's Cause it, yeah, because I feel like after X Factor, she kind of disappeared. Yeah, she used for a to bit. be in the ensemble for Les Mis. Oh. And then she played Eponine. I don't want to quote me on that, but I, I think she played like a lead in Les Mis, and then I think that's how she like started getting into like the bigger West like musical things. Yeah. And she doesn't strike me as having a very musical theatre voice again. Yeah, she wasn't. It's I, very I, pop and belty, but I think yeah. that's where something yeah, like Jenna... Well, she's a draw at the end of the day, but yeah, that's that's the casting. So uh, for those of you who haven't seen Waitress yet, go check it out. Let us know what uh, how they do. I can't remember what date he's going in, but just, yeah, just some really interesting... I want to go see Neil. <laughs> some interesting star casting happening there. But who are they attracting by having... Neil, like, is it, that's not even the right audience for Waitress, is it? But then I also feel like when we went to see it, the audience members were confused anyway, as in, like, the range of audience members. Yeah. Like, there was a very, like, an older generation, because I guess it is quite a family-friendly musical, but then also it isn't, with some of that, they swear in it, like, the yeah, F-word set. Oh, my God, in the, like, the... The, the Conalinga big, scene. Yeah. It's not child-friendly. True, yeah, But it's also true. not... Like, risque enough I feel for like a younger audience it's not like a Jamie yeah. or like um, like modern and hip enough yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know hmm alright well anyways moving on so the biggest thing that obviously has happened over the past week is the Tony Awards was on oh yeah Tuesday night, Monday night, one of the nights, but obviously for not those here. of you who do not know what the Tonys are, which you should do, uh, it is the big theatre awards over on Broadway, so uh, it was obviously a uh, very uh, beautiful night, everyone was looking amazing and celebrating a lot of uh, good talent. We didn't uh, get invited again. We didn't get invited, yeah, I'm so offended, second time now, um, triggered. So, best musical went to Hadestown. We thought that was going uh, which happen. I which from yeah what I understood from the people who I know out in the states it was it's doing very well and it's very popular. I feel like it's 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 weird because it was here and I feel like there wasn't a massive hype about it. It's gone over to the states and now people here are like, yeah. oh my god, I love Hades Town, and I was like, but there wasn't yeah, well, there wasn't a buzz around it when no, it was here. No, but also apparently Hades Town did start over in the states and then it came to the UK for a for the national. Yeah, I found this out the other day that it started as a workshop over in the states. I they did brought not it to the that. national and then it went back over to the states again. So it's kind of had a, like a bit of a weird history. But yeah, absolutely, it wasn't. I don't think anyone would have expected Hades Town to have won like an Olivier, let's say. But like it's it, it wasn't even nominated. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, and then Best Revival went to the uh, Oklahoma, which was yes. amazing because it's obviously been restaged and uh, modernised in yeah. a way. Um, I would have been really interested to have seen that if I was out there. Uh, Best Actor went to uh, Santino Fontana. Many of you might know him from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, he won his award for Tootsie. Um, actress went to Stephanie J. Block for The Share Show. Um, supporting Actor went to Andre De Shields, who was in Hades Town, also over here, I believe, as well. Uh, but the most interesting award obviously went to uh, uh, Supporting Actress, which went to uh, actress Ali Stroker, um, which is kind of a great step in progression towards representation of um, uh, actors with disability. Yeah. Yeah, which was awesome. So that was kind of a good step towards uh, 
kind of representation, yeah. inclusivity, all of that. In the Tony Awards, so yeah, so overall, Hades Town won eight awards. Tootsie won two, Oklahoma won two, and the Share Show won two. So Yay. Hades kind of swept the awards there. But congrats to all those winners over in the States. For those of you who uh, listened to last week's podcast, I'm sure you would uh, be easily able to guess that this week we are talking about the worldwide phenomenon, the musical that has swept every country that is possible across the world, Book of Mormon. So, a uh, quick fact about the Book of Mormon. Um, so, its premiere was in March 20, or March 24th, 2011 uh, on Broadway at the Eugene O'Neill Theatre in New York City. Um, it York. starred Andrew Reynolds and Josh Gad. Those of you probably know Josh Gad from Frozen mm-hmm. or Beauty and the Beast, I think was the other thing that he did. Um, obviously, it was crazy successful over there. So then was eventually transferred over to the West End in 2013, uh, where it went to the Prince of Wales Theatre. And it's been there ever since. So yeah, it's written by the people who also wrote South Park. So that is uh, Matt Stone, uh, Trey Parker and... No, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Yeah. And the, a lot of the music was written by Robert Lopez, who is well known for doing Avenue Q and Frozen. So Yeah, so a very uh, kind of infamous crew there that wrote this musical. Mm. Um, so I first of all, we'll start like, by rounding up. So for those of you who listened last week, we obviously spoke about um, religion in musicals. But obviously with Book of Mormon, the idea of religion is extremely different to kind of what we experience with something like Fiddler. Yeah. So... How would you say that the religion in the Book of Mormon is different? Well, I feel like they present this idea of Mormons as being really detached from reality. That they're really disillusioned. They're really naive when they obviously when Elder Price and Cunningham get sent to Uganda. That they're really um, they think that it's going to be this amazing, the same as places like France and Spain, and they go over, and obviously this is not what they're expecting. This idea that they are not in the real world yeah. and I think that's what strikes a difference between other musicals for example Fiddler on the Roof which we obviously reviewed last week is that they present this Mormon as like this other I don't even know it's kind it's of like, like an other being literally. other being yeah, yeah. like and not I, a human in a way like, yeah like, I, I just feel like you can't really say anything more that they're completely detached yeah from the real world like I don't think any human has the energy or facial expressions or uh, pizzazz that these characters in the show do. No. Um, and how, how do you feel like religion is used as a device, let's say, in this kind of musical? So what what, what is it really pushing? Um, well, I feel like it's definitely talking about organised religion. Yes. And the preachiness of it and the, the kind of... I don't want to use the word cult, but I'm going to use the word cult okay. to kind of like sweep over. And also the the, the fact that religion doesn't always have to be factual for people to believe in it. Yes. That's yeah, yeah, what yeah. I feel like they were kind of pushing, especially with the end when yeah. Cunningham entwines Mormons with Star Wars and Star <laughs> yeah. Trek and Lord yeah. of the Rings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's kind of this like funny idea of it really picking at everything that's kind of like a contradiction or a flaw in the Mormon religion, you know? Yeah. Um, but is it is it just picking at? Do you feel like there's any sort of kind of support that they give to the Mormon religion? Like, is there any kind of redeeming qualities that they have in the show for the kind of the Mormon group, you know, as, as a religion in a whole? Because for me, I just feel like they're really just kind of like grabbing it. Like stereotyping. Yeah, stereotyping. Um, well, I do feel like they're likable in the end. Yeah. They're... 
conclusion is that they are accepted by the Ugandans and they can live in peace and they can find um, a community yeah. together. Yeah. So they kind of end on this like idea of um, tolerance and acceptance. <laughs> it's so weird. So you go away like they yeah. aren't bad people even though... And they're allowed to bend the kind of the words of the... The of the Lord, to, yeah. yeah, yeah, to kind of uh, uh, co-inhabit with these these uh, other characters. Yeah, I feel like it pushes the fact that even if a religion isn't factual, there's no scientific evidence, it can still bring joy and hope. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a big yeah. religious aspect. When they talk about it, like, it's not the facts it's the metaphor it's the feeling it we get from yeah, and that's yeah. that's quite that's very pro-religion yeah 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 absolutely f- so yeah it's really interesting but obviously like in the like when we look at it, it's kind of like a generalization it's basically just used as a comedic device i think and that's really what is pushing a lot of the gags and the oh, and jokes yeah. throughout the show um which i think we can kind of if we went to compare them to other places we kind of compare it to kind of the comedy that's used in something like Avenue Q, let's say, or yes. the producers. So what, what, what do you think about the comedy and the producers? Well, it's very slapstick. Yeah. It's also very, it's like borderline and offensive. Yeah. It also doesn't hold back. Yeah. Like it's, it goes, there's the, the line and they like tiptoe around the line. They sometimes jump over it, but then they come straight back. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like with... The difference with Mormon, I feel, than the producers is that the producers is very much satire, like really heavily satire. Yeah. Where I feel like Mormon is definitely like a musical. It's very book musical. Yeah, they use absolutely. these old-fashioned show tunes and very this like, I want to say like scatological humor to like kind of shimmer it over with like, sequence well, and... it's it's taking the musical form to just be, be like a curtain over the top of it isn't yeah it? like it's got all these like really inappropriate moments that i think without this kind of musical form on top of it you would just 100%. be sitting there like oh my gosh this is awful. because that's like, I, and i feel like that's what makes it clever yeah because it's not it, it doesn't have these like sincere moments like everything is shiny everything's polished yeah yeah yeah, I mean? yeah exactly there's no like this Although this was really funny, we're going to really help the crisis of famine in Uganda. Like, there's none of that. There's no yeah. sincereness. <laughs> yeah. It's like, right, well, we're all together at the end. Like, let's stay here for seven years and let's do our, even though we're not getting paid, you know what I mean? Like, the end of... Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, like, looking at the comedy, like, do you think this is a positive thing or a negative thing? Because it's, it's a weird one because, like, in my opinion, when we, when we speak about, like, the fact that it's, it uses the musical form to kind of just polish over the idea it's like is that then kind of uh patronizing the musical form and saying that this is what musicals are and because we've shoved a music this musical like kind of curtain over the top of it it's now okay oh 100 okay yeah I, honestly 100 percent. yeah like i feel like it's as much satiring um the musical form as it is yeah. mormons and the religion aspect of it like um i was talking to someone the other day and it was a, a complete innocent joke but we were trying to stage a scene and then she uh she said oh well if this is a musical uh, the kettle would just fly down from the ceiling and i was like lol yeah like (laughs) it would like (laughs) because things like that can happen in a musical and it's something that i hate that that is like the stereotypes of a musical but if you look at mormon you've got tap break 
you got some swing, some jive, slapstick comedy. You've got these massive anthems. You have like a ballad, a duet, a love song yeah. <laughs> about baptism, but also about sex. You know, you've got this like commercialization. It's a book musical. Yeah. And it takes the absolute make over. Like this is yeah. what it's, is it's on the West It's very self-aware as well. So I think. self-aware. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I think as audiences, you're not sitting in there going, oh gosh, this is what musicals are. I can't believe it. You're sat in there being like, I love it because they're using the musical form to really pick at a different, a different element of the story and how the story's pushed forward. It's kind of like a theatre lovers, which is why I think they love Book of Mormon is because it is that nuanced sense of humour. Like you are in on the joke yeah, yeah, of absolutely. musicals, which is interesting because my boyfriend was like, I really want to go see, of Mo- see Book of Mormon. I don't like musicals, so I think I'd like that. But I actually think you wouldn't like it. I think people would be confused. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because like, it's it's funny when you really like dig like into the theory of musicals and looking at a show like this. Like Book of Mormon has so many nuances about mm. about musicals and the, how musicals are going through the ages. Like um, the fact that it has a dream dream sequence like yeah. even though the dream sequence isn't like the best dream sequence in the world like it's taking the mick of the golden age and all the dream musicals that like rogers and hammersteins used to throw into everything. yeah um obviously again the as you were saying like the power ballads like yeah. using that as a kind of like a dual meaning of falling in love but also it being literally about ha- <laughs> taking someone's virginity you know yeah. um and the tap break being a show a moment of like a, bo- um, a man who's like so closetedly homosexual being able to like break out into this like crazy like tap routine you know 100%. i also feel like the non nonsensical nonsensical um this like adds to the whole silliness of it yeah absolutely critiques both the musical form and also like the narrativeness of the the show and like lets some of the more offensive jokes kind of get past you without you thinking too much about them because it is nonsensical at the end of the day that none of those characters are real and again, it, it, like we think, we feel like we've come full circle, going back to the point that every single character in this show is so disillusioned from reality, even down to like the I'm texting and she's got a typewriter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, on. and that's <laughs> the thing we, we moving forward when we talk more about the disadvantages, we need we need to keep in mind is that these characters aren't necessarily real. Like they don't, they're not really in our universe. Let's say, like it's kind of like looking at a story, but like all these characters are very like, uh, kind of like pixie-esque versions of of different people you know yeah yeah so obviously we've talked about the positives and there are a lot of positives when it comes to book of moment what are the negatives of this musical um i feel mm, it's hard though well, because... if, well, let's start with negatives about the comedy Okay. Um, because obviously there is uh, a big argument that is mainly about uh, Book of Mormon about who it really is picking on mm-hmm. and who uh, who the show is targeting with its comedy. And mm-hmm. I think there's two sides of the arguments. The people say that it's like racist and that it's uh, homophobic and that it's nihilistic, you know. So it's there's this one side that's really saying that it just is really picking at like kind of like unreasonably at these kind of different groups but then there's another side of the argument that says because everyone is being targeted it's okay and that it's funny because no no one is is kind of can escape free from it you know i feel like that's a, a just an ethical principle with comedy and i think that goes goes across to um stand-up comedians and what everyone can consider commonly do we have this umbrella of what we can use? What is funny? Is it funny to everyone? You know, for example, like I feel with Parker and Stone's comedy, it definitely, I mean, South Park is a take no prisoners. Yeah, absolutely. No one is safe. And I feel like in Book of Mormon, from the audience that we had in that in that room when we went to see it, there was definitely a comfortability 
comfortability because it's a majority of white people. For example, the song yeah. about Africa, I feel like because it was the white American being critiqued in that moment, there was a sense of like, whoo, everyone's yeah, kind of in yeah. on the joke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think in this musical in particular, the Mormons kind of are this kind of arching umbrella of kind of like white male ignorant privilege. A hundred percent. Because obviously like the the more the the way that these characters are kind of presented as we were saying that it's very kind of stereotypical and these kind of like pixie s magical creatures that are like uh-huh. flying around it's really this kind of animated version of that group of people mm-hmm. um and again as you were saying that they aren't safe either and i remember yeah. like sitting through and there was one joke that was made there at the end and like i can't even remember who it was about but you were we were like there was no jokes made about them the whole way through this particular group of people and then they made like literally one joke nearly at the end of the show and i remember turning to lucy and lucy was just like no one's safe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who that I was about. I can't remember who it was about, yeah, neither. But it was really funny because, like, it's just, like, one stupid joke, but it's just, like, throwing another group of people into the... Yeah, like, don't worry, like, we're going to get them too. Yeah, but, like, it was also interesting when sitting in the audience at some jokes that didn't necessarily land or or some jokes that were just so inappropriate that people were, like, kind of cringing at. Someone explains it. It's those catch-your-breath moments where it's not a laugh, it's kind of like... <gasps> Oh my god, I can't yeah. believe that was just said. And what do you think that does? Because for me, how I personally felt in that room was that I I kind of still accepted it because it was making me realise that, like, that's not okay. And because it came from these Mormon characters who were the kind of representation of the, like, white privileged class, it was kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel like they do it really cleverly because they are literal cartoons yeah. of these blindly passionate Mormons. So when it comes from them, you kind of think... That is awful. Yeah. And like everyone's together. In yeah. The- you feel it's, <gasps> more, it's more of a critique on them than the group that they're oh, coming for, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you feel like there were any points that moments were really inappropriate or shouldn't have been in there? I don't know. Like, I actually feel like I thought the jokes were going to be a lot worse. Yeah. Which I don't even know how I thought that. But like when everyone, everyone was like, it's hilarious. Like, it's absolutely like on the edge cutting I don't know I think maybe it's because maybe when it was created and where we are now in terms of progression the things that are in the musical are kind of like that's been in the news that people have said these things that's been at the forefront of like all these racial um discussions and how we can't say this and we can't say that so like some of the things and I was like oh that there was like a massive conversation the the other day in the beauty community on YouTube about um, skin lines, about like certain shades of black being more attractive than others. That's why yes, c- communities yeah. make. And obviously there was one comment that was like, oh, she's a beautiful shade of, of black. Oh, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. that was one of those jokes that everyone was like, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that like catch your breath moment. Yeah. But, and that was obviously horrendous. But because yeah. again, it came from the mouth of the, the Mormon who... Cunningham is an underground. I mean, he's not even underground. He's just racist. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but but ig- but like an ignorant racism. If, if, if you so can, ignorant. If you can be an ignorant racist, you know, like, but it come. It stems from not being aware of diff- like a childishly of yeah. racist. Like, ing- it's indoctrinated into him. Yeah. Like you don't think, oh my god, he is such a mal- like he's just. Especially when he was so ignorantly calling uh, Nabalungi oh different names, god. which again it wasn't necessarily a thing of we were laughing at Nabalungi and the fact of like, oh, this is the different name she's been calling, but instead like cutting and being like, you're a racist. Yeah, like, you are racist. Yeah. Um, and 
what about the because uh, one thing I know that a lot of people again have argued about is kind of the portrayal of the Ugandans just in general mm-hmm. as a uh, lesser group in the whole narrative as itself because it obviously I mean it's kind of difficult to avoid when you've got the Book of Mormon for the story not to be about the Mormons because it is driven by Elder Price mm-hmm. and Elder Cunningham but um, a lot of people who say that they dislike the Book of Mormon or have come to me saying they're not sure about it is because the Ugandans are portrayed as this kind of secondary group of people who are so unknowing so uh I don't want to use this word, but like primitive is the way it's kind mm. of portrayed in the show. Um, how, how do you feel about their portrayal just as a whole? Well, I, I feel like they do have this like weird sophistication about their comedy. And I think especially at the end, it really comes in full circle when they talk about religion and uh, Nabalungi's like, I ca- we wanted to go to Salt Lake City. There's this real thing. And then one of the other girls comes up and goes... That's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and this whole time, everyone apart from Nab- Nabalungi has been in complete realisation that this is all, like, yeah. pretty much bullshit. And yeah, that, like, that they're literally just blindly following it. Because yeah. it, 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 to them, it's hope. It's not that we're going to Salt Lake City. It's, yeah. it's this the feeling and, like, believing in something and coming together as a community. Also, like, they, I feel like they represent, like, critique of pop culture as well. Yes. Like, because their, um, their opening song, which is obviously Hassa Diva Eboi, um, is definitely, like, a foul-mouthed parody to the opening of The Lion King. Yes. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, but they are so in on it. Like, they're just, like... Yeah, that's the, like... If anything, I feel like they are more real than the Mormon characters, which is kind of a nice contrast that the the Ugandans have these moments where they're like, we live in the real world, like, life is shit, we'll get over it. Yeah. Whereas the Mormons are just, like, flying around, like, oh, everything's perfect, turn it off, like, you know? And it's kind of this uh, odd contrast for the start, but really then again finishes on kind of, like, a redeeming uh, kind of idea for the ugandans at the end where they are able to unite with the mormons and kind of compromise and uh, uh not feel so inferior that they kind of feel at the start you know yep 100 percent. uh so my main question just to finish off this idea of comedy do you think this will last because in my opinion uh the idea of what we find funny and what is appropriate in this world is rapidly changing 100 uh i think from even just last time i saw book of mormon there were things that i was like okay i think i probably wouldn't laugh at again in another two time two years time um which is obviously great because it's good to push progression but for like a musical like book of Mormon, which really steps the line and has a lot of satire in it do you think it's something that will necessarily last i definitely i think i think all comedy does yeah okay have its time because i feel like it is very dated like like Doing a play 100 years ago, like having, for example, like a woman as a doctor, people would have found that funny because a woman could never be a doctor. Like that's so hilarious. It's yeah. so beyond like the value, yeah. the value of like um And that's what we find with a lot of old comedy musicals that a lot of the, it's very, it's very kind of backwards and unprogressive, yeah. but probably at the time was hilarious, you know? Yeah. But then you can put that on now and then laugh at the fact, oh my God, I oh, can't believe yeah. that they found that funny. Yeah. Like some jokes, like especially a lot of stuff about women. Um, in like old Ibsen comedies, like it's just hilarious that 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 was written. Yeah. Um, but I feel like because this is jokes about certain groups, it's not like an over. It's not universally funny to everybody. Not universally, everyone's in on the joke. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I feel like it will. There will be a time when it. It's also been done before. That is. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Jokes have been told. People have laughed. And now it's time to move on. I think. I think eventually. I think it. It's going to last for a long time. Like we, five mm. years time, it's still going to be running. 
Uh, I just think that eventually it'll come to a time where people are like, okay, we've 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 seen it now. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's done its course, especially because it's got like what, like four tours or something. Like, I swear, yeah. it's like literally everywhere. Because it like it is a it is a good it's a funny show as well. Maybe not the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, but like. It, it will last and people will constantly go see it it's and just... also like the musical form is changing yeah. like we've seen it with stuff like Come From Away and Six like the canon is changing and there'll be a time where that is not a critique of the musical form exactly anymore. yeah exactly and so that'll obviously yeah. the joke them doing a tap break I'll be like well there is no tap breaks in the musicals <laughs> that they're in, but why is that funny do you know what I mean like that's just so stupid but like <laughs> what they'll do next time is they will just after 90 minutes they'll just stop the show and be like okay we're done now yeah <laughs> no but, but that yeah. would be hilarious like yeah. do you know what I mean like yeah. it it yeah, would be with everyone the in on the joke. That's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, so we're going to next have a little discussion about blockbuster musicals. Now, obviously, the term blockbuster is kind of more to do with film, but I think we can kind of place it on this idea of uh, shows that have lasted the ages and are constantly running and are always on. I think yeah. we'll first talk about our experience at the theatre uh, yes. the other day. Uh, do you want to first talk about what, what you kind of felt coming into... Uh, the 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 Prince Prince of Wales Theatre. Yeah. So the Prince of Wales Theatre is obviously in a great spot in London. It's like bang in the middle of like Leicester Square. You got Piccadilly yeah. Circus. Like, um, it's like where those two worlds kind of collide with like the more theatre. Yeah, like Shaftesbury Avenue yeah, with like, like Oxford Street yeah. and like yeah. It is like really where like capitalist missed like art. Yeah, commercialism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we paid £35 for our tickets. 35 yeah. We were in probably like three, four rows from the back, kind of to the side. Now, the I think what a great thing about the Prince of Wales Theatre, if anyone wants to go see the Book of Mormon, is that it's a very wide theatre. So I feel like you will see the stage yeah, you, pretty much anywhere. I it, don't think they have a lot of... Apart from the... They're not the boxes they're like yeah they're side like little seats. yeah side slips i think is what they call slips them, yeah. um and so it's a great view especially for the ticket price however i did find that the ticket price was still quite expensive i feel like three yeah. rows from the back yeah. if we're comparing it to stuff like obviously you've got i'm thinking of other block like wicked you can get like 20 15 pound tickets to go see that three rows from the back um lion king exactly the same like yeah. these musicals that have been around for a while um i think if this had been in another theater i would have been really disappointed with the ticket price mm. by the fact that 35 pounds is a lot and kind of be near the back but i yeah. think because this was a two-level theater yeah and it was very wide and the rake was great yep and, uh, and when i talk about rake i mean like the audience in front of you were like very low in front of you yeah. so it wasn't like you, you had heads in the way even if someone was quite tall you still yeah. had a lot of space and like i was sat on the end and i saw everything yeah like, and the, the leg room was really good yeah, exactly. compared to like um the phoenix which when we saw come from yes. away like literally you are like your legs are, legs are up because there's no leg room in that yeah. theater um so it was quite a comfortable place to sit um and also it's a uh, a Cameron Macintosh theatre as well. Yes. So the drinks are okay priced. They are actually really reasonably priced. They aren't the cheapest, but they're no. also not ATG prices. Yeah. So uh, it's a kind of, you can grab a drink. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, like, they've got a good bar space. So the experience that you go there is is kind of comfortable and not crazy busy as well. 100%. Um, so overall, I think the experience was uh, was a good one and, um, and was worth the £35. Yep. I don't know how much how much more I would have paid for an experience like that, but I, I wasn't coming out being like, wow, I paid too much for these tickets. Yeah, 100%. Which is very good for a musical like Book of 
with Mormon yeah. because, you know, it's kind of one that's staying there for a while. So yeah. it needs to kind of have a place and feel comfortable there, you know? The only critique I would have possibly said about the entire show in terms of logistics was probably the sound. Yeah. And I know we've discussed this with quite a few musicals that we've reviewed recently. And I don't know whether it's like become a West End phenomenon that people keep complaining about the fact that yeah. the music's too loud. But I really, when I see a musical especially, I want to be hit with that Especially sound a book of mormon type musical i don't want to be deafened yeah. i don't want to be like concert level noise but i want to be i want to feel it yeah like no i completely mean yeah like it, it hits your like inside yeah. it makes you have goosebumps you yeah know, like. and hello was possibly like one of the most underwhelming yeah beginnings to a show but, not, but again not because of the actual performance itself but because, not. but because of the sound like you just i was just like hello like, especially turn it up? like <laughs> i found it when elder price uh went up to the high notes because obviously he has to go to falsetto because it's very high you just lost so much because the sound wasn't in a good enough spot to like really hit you and it's it, it made me feel like they were lacking in energy yeah which is so not true like their faces and their bodies they were going for it but i was like I just want. I just wanted to get that dial and just be like, turn up. Turn yeah, up, yeah, yeah. Just, just a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, uh, let's discuss our favorite blockbuster musicals uh, and why they've worked for you. So, do you want to go first? What's what would be your all-time big blockbuster musical? I can I can speak yeah, first. Yeah, you go first. Um, so Throw I've, me with a question. Uh, <laughs> so I think probably my all-time big blockbuster is probably something like Lame Is. Mm. Uh, I think the story is very good of Les Mis. I don't think it's the best in the fact that it's got like a message behind it that's really changing the way you think about your own life. Yeah. Um, but the show itself is phenomenal. The music is phenomenal. The staging is phenomenal. And it's a really moving piece. Um, reasons that I think it works, it's in a very good theatre that's intimate, but also big. Mm. So you can obviously get the audiences that can pay those ticket prices that can uh, make sure that you're obviously earning a profit, but also doesn't make it feel like you're a million miles away from the action and you can't even see their faces. Yeah. Um, also just because it is a spectacle. And although I know I constantly criticize a lot of spectacle musicals, I feel like a show like Les Mis really strikes a good boundary between telling a good story, but also having that spectacle element into it. Yeah. And that's something that I really appreciate a big blockbuster musical, and that's why I always recommend something like Les Mis to people, is because even though, again, yeah, it's not a come from away, um, uh, it will always kind of have a good uh, production, you know? Like, it'll always, it will always be good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think my, probably my favourite is actually Wicked. Yeah, yeah, that um, would have been another one. That... I just think that, it has such a great message. It's a message of like friendship, but also like friendship between women. It isn't really based around this, the love the love story narrative, even though like there is a love story that goes on. Um, I also like that they had a retelling of a like a childhood story. Yeah, the music is incredible. Like I think it's one of the best musicals ever written. Yeah, in terms of like the songs, the song Stephen like Schwartz although is, is. like although it's 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 completely overdone. I feel and everyone knows Wicked, it's monumental. Yeah. In some of, like, especially it's like a Gal- gravity. Yeah, like a Goliath of a show, isn't it? You it's know? one of those things where, like, as a child, like, I would feel like I would be on the edge of tears. Like, well, especially for us, sing. because we grew up in that age when Wicked was being created, that, like, a lot of the songs really have a poignant message oh to a lot of us. Like, we were, what, like, seven? Eight, seven, nine, eight, nine, yeah. Going up that, that age where stuff is, like, musical theatre is really starting to kind of introduce itself into yeah. your life, you know? Yeah. And also, I feel like musical theatre changed around that time. Like, we were getting more new musicals hitting the big time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I just feel like production value of Wicked is absolutely phenomenal. The colours, the costumes, the sound. It's also um, a, a well-known story. It's a well-known story. 
Um, it's just it's just yeah. fantastic. And how do you want blockbuster musicals to make you feel? Like, do you go wanting to be challenged? Do you go want to just be made like have a good time? Like, is there any particular things that like Wicked or like something like Les Mis make you feel when you come out of it? I don't know. I feel that's quite a hard question because yeah. like, surely it's what the musical makes you feel that makes it a blockbuster. Isn't that? It's a blockbuster well, already. Do you yeah, know what I mean? well, I think when, I, when we speak about blockbusters, we're talking about kind of the shows that have lasted the time and are, mm. the, are the money draggers. Because when you think about a blockbuster film, like you think of something like The Avengers, it might not be the most like incredible, like yeah. moving story. I don't yeah. But you know, like it kind of, it has that uh, longevity that it will keep going and keep running forever. Well, stuff like Wicked, Cats. Yeah, um, Phantom. Phantom. Uh, they have these universal stories that are kind of like anyone can tap into one yes, of the yeah, characters. Yeah, e- easy stories. They're I guess. not also they're <laughs> lots. <laughs> anyone can tap into anyone. Can. Yeah, you can just. But like, um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. They're not fixed and a fixed and a point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Phantom. I mean, obviously, Lemire's has obviously got historical context, but it's still really relevant. Like history obviously repeats itself. Obviously, Wicked's fantastical. Cats is fantastical. Phantom's yeah. fantastical. But they also have great soundtracks yeah and i also always feel like when i because when i think of something like come from way that that moves me that like mm. my heart feels like different when i come out of that whereas when i feel like a blockbuster i want to be wowed yeah. i want to like i still want it to have a good story and feel drawn to it but i want to come out of being like oh whoa like what did i just watch like mm. that was so cool like cool instead of like i'm, I'm so moved you know yeah. like like emotionally changed you know Uh, but i do feel like some blockbusters have the ability to do that yeah and i think maybe it would be interesting to review something like come from away in 10 years time and see if it is changed because of it being a blockbuster musical because right now stuff like that still has like this new like oh it's all fresh and it's new and it's raw and like not everyone knows about it so it's not overdone like you don't like like go on smooth musicals hour and it's like welcome to the rock like <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like yeah, that doesn't yeah, yeah, happen exactly, yeah. um, there hasn't been like a million covers on YouTube of people seeing Defying Gravity terribly or brilliantly do you know what I mean yeah yeah uh, so obviously we've spoken about a lot of good things about it what would you say are some possible disadvantages about blockbuster shows I think one of the biggest disadvantages is that staging kind of casting and the, so not we're not really casting, but like the way the actors are having to be portrayed yeah. has to be consistent. Yeah, it's like an erosion effect. I think like mm. it's just slowly like it's it's like style and it's like oomph is just slowly like chipped away with each cast that come through. But again, as you I'm guessing you'll kind of speak on about how it's so it has to be so precise you know? it has to, it just has to be the same because they're not yeah. buying Dina Menzel but they are buying and Dina Menzel's presence and, perf- yeah. and and that original performance if the Alpha Banal does not resemble how brilliant the Alpha well, yeah. before was you're gonna be exactly like, because like when a lot of people see clips of Wicked like for people that aren't uh, massive show lovers who don't go to see the theatre all the time like if they want to go see a musical, they'll look up like, oh, uh, what's Wicked? Uh, oh, I'll type in Define Gravity. I'll have a look at see mm. if it's my thing. They'll see Idina Menzel belting out Define Gravity. They'll see they'll go, Shenworth. Yeah, yeah, they'll go, that's what I want to see because I want to see that. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of the, the repetition that something like Wicked has got to constantly churn out. It's that uh, Idina Menzel iconic moment. You know, yeah. it, it has to really stick to what the core... Uh, original piece was because that's what people yeah. are coming to see and I feel like even with I mean Wicked's definitely gone through a bit of like a costume change the costumes are definitely changing the makeup I, d- I didn't know that but especially Elphaba's makeup if you look up Adina Menzel and a very very like when they're all shiny and new yeah. she's literally just green but now Elphaba's <laughs> got like green contour and the eyeshadow and the eyeliner and she looks yeah. like 
gorgeous like this absolutely beauty playing alphabet whereas like adina manzel i feel like she was like green like yeah there was i think no, she was just the like, yeah. ma- but like makeup has changed so much in the past 15 years i mean true, like it's very, very draggy i feel now like stage mm. makeup especially in wicked um but the music and the narrative and the jokes and the comedy and the the vulnerable moments of the stories is still the same yeah and those nuances can't really change because otherwise you're gonna lose yeah and it's, it's always interesting to see something. new actors come to a role because obviously they do try and bring something different mm-hmm. but at the same time it, it is hard because you have to stick to blocking and yeah. when you're given specific blocking it can really affect you sometimes as an actor of how you would act in a certain situation yeah. and like I know that like of people that I know who have swinged shows or who have been uh, in ensembles or even covers that they have to really stick to exactly the, the minuscule spot of where they've been told to stand otherwise they get in like big trouble you know yeah um and i guess i guess it really kind of does lose that flair because if you're not doing a authentic performance in your own way mm. you're falling into traps of not being realistic you know and not not portraying the character's true right, intentions you know yeah and they also feel like that's also really hard for the actors because for example let's just take popular from wicked you know that bit where um galinda jumps on the bed and she goes um yeah. and she does that whole bit well obviously that was obviously created by the director and chris and Shenworth when they originally staged that yeah. that at the time when it was original was probably funny that repeated 17 million casts over it's like we've seen that it's not funny anymore to us as an audience. It might be for some people who've never seen Wicked before. Yeah. But obviously us as regular theatre goers then go, oh, I don't want to see Wicked again. Like I know exactly what the performance is going to yeah. be. That that disadvantage as well. Whereas yeah. new people will still be like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's also really interesting because I'm now going to throw Lamez into the mix and talk about how it's being restaged. Mm. So obviously I really love the idea that's being restaged because why why not? You know, like why not restage Lamez? Like it's been what on for 25 years yeah. now. It's exactly the same performance all the time. But people have kicked off about the fact that it's changing and that they've got rid of the revolve. Mm-hmm. And I'm just interested to think what your opinions on, for example, that idea being changed. And should should we stick to this original context of what this musical should be and what how it was staged and how it was done? Or should we be allowed to kind of change it if it's running straight through? I literally just feel like, why not? Yeah. Like, like what's what is, If it's awful, you can go back to the original. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's terrible and no one goes to see it, then... Yeah. he'll put the original back on and it'll still sell tickets but people are, that's just opening up to a whole new audience who want to come see this restaging theater lovers who have seen the original and are interested to see something yeah. different theater lovers who didn't want to see the original because for whatever reason like oh that's interesting um especially when something like company is just done so well at the olivia yeah absolutely why you wouldn't want to restage yeah. something it might have a completely different take on some of the scenes um, at the end of the day, it's the same at the end musical. Of the t- oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. Um, sorry for anyone that's not a massive Lamez fan. That's one of the songs. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's still the the same songs. Mm. It's still the exact same story. Like it just might be that little moments are different, you know, and like there's a different little mini story being told. So I know I'm always happy to see something being changed because, like, you know, like 25 years is a long time to have the same staging. Like. But I know when we spoke about, I can't, I remember we definitely spoke about the barricade and the spinning of the revolving table in one of our news segments. I'm interested to see what they do with that because that's just such an iconic moment, which I guess is, which is guessing playing devil's advocate of like having these iconic stage moments and not ever being really able to see them again. But like, I'm not there for a single stage moment. I'm there for the whole show, you know? Mm. So yeah. All right. So uh, Book of Mormon, 
as a blockbuster, what are some of the things that makes it a blockbuster musical? Um, I feel like one of the things is that it's just so controversial and people love controversy, people love drama. And I feel like when this <laughs> musical came out, there was a lot of that, especially um, in the UK, like critics are, when we get to the review section, we'll, I will show you that critics were completely right down the middle divided for and against this musical. Um, and I feel like people are interested and they're like, oh, we'll go back. I also feel like this is a stereotypical commercial book musical. Yeah, it is. Um, it's got the punchlines and the set and like things fly in and there's costume changes in the middle of blackouts and yeah. do you know what I mean? It's got a spectacle aspect of it, which from all the block musicals that have stayed on the West End, you can see that the spectacle works. Yeah, it does. But also I, I like that Book of Mormon is different because it's not just a spectacle. It uses spectacle in a clever way, you know, yeah. like it's, 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 it's different than something like nine to five, let's say, you know? Yeah. Um, I also just think like, just the show in general, just like the staging of it is big. Like it's big. Yeah. It's it's a two actor, you yep. know. It's really but also I feel like it doesn't waste time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The time management is really efficiently used. Um it's really efficiently directed as well. Yeah. There's nothing that doesn't make sense. Not like the toolbox in the cupboard at waitress <laughs> that I'll never get over. Um it's just perfect like the staging works yeah it's it's quick and like they really throw everything they can into uh-huh. that to to hour 15 you know like they they don't try and hold back at any moments um and just like the score in itself is very catchy it's got some really memorable numbers yes. in it it's fun which i always think is a really important thing with a with a spectacle uh, back, uh blockbuster musical is that the score needs to be memorable because if you don't go away singing the songs then it's not done its trick you know and very like avenue keel um you kind of like you can sing them forever because they're so catchy and they're so anthem, but you're like, oh, this is so funny. And like, yeah. it is funny. And you play them to your friends to be like, oh, have you heard this have song? Have you heard this song? Yeah. Like, this is this is like from this new musical, blah, 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 which yeah. is probably why it's continued um, so much. And overall, what were your opinions of it? Because we've spoken a lot about like the kind of a general view of the show. Do you, do you think it was a kind of a blockbuster? I definitely understand why it is and why it's run for obviously what it opened February 2000. 13 so what's six years on the west end i can yeah. und- completely understand why people are going back or or going to see it still yeah um it's also a hilarious soundtrack good it's produced well um the set and costumes and everything are so meticulously put together um it's comedy and i think it's a lot easier to re-watch comedy over and over yeah, again yeah absolutely um however the production that we saw, obviously that's six years now into it. Yeah. I did feel lacked a certain spark or maybe yeah. an authenticity like we were talking about. Um, maybe it's because of... Because I did feel like Cunningham was just Josh Gad. Yeah. And it yeah, was yeah, annoying yeah. though because I couldn't get that out of my head. But I was like, you sound like Josh Gad. Yeah. Um, and his characterization was very Josh Gad. Yeah. I was like, is this Olaf in front of me? And But then I was thinking, is this the casting? Is it his own choice? Is Was he cast because he sounds like Josh Gad? Or is it just, a, he's great at the role, but you have to be Josh Gad to be this character? Yeah. Um, I was, I came across, like came out of it, like kind of like, okay. I Like I did laugh, but I wasn't crying laughing. Yeah, which is what you would expect for something like Book of Mormon. Which is what I thought but I was this, be. That's interesting because I, when I went and saw it, I saw it two years ago, I think, with my mum, and I was like wetting myself throughout. But I think it's that idea of like slowly throughout the years, it just gets chipped away more and because the uh, performances aren't as authentic, authentic and they can't put, like play them in the way that they 
like fully want to play them. Obviously, they have a uh, free license to kind of do like little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of falls away because I remember that like there was some jokes that like the actors played in the first time I saw it that like were gone and yeah. like it didn't seem that anything had been added or changed. It was just like either cut or away. yeah, like you know, it was a weird one. And also, one thing I did uh, learn the other day is that they constantly change the names that they call Nabalungi. Apparently, someone called a Nigel Farage in one of them. <gasps> that is so funny. And no deal breaks it. <laughs> That is great. So that, it's good that that's able to constantly update, and that, that's a real positive for kind of the show. That, <laughs> I love that joke. I just love that. We called just... Nickelodeon, but Nickelodeon was the one that I was in as well last time. He called, they called the Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. What were the other ones? Called? Uh, Netflix and Chill. Netflix and Chill. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> But that is just funny on like a universal level, like in any show. Yeah. If someone did that joke. It's just funny. Yeah. I do feel just thought of this now that humor is also it changes how humor is told like netflix and chill not told but um like right now like humor's very like can't relate like oh dry yes humor, yes sarcastic so you. like like, like oh very God. meme-esque meme-esque like these snappy little witty comments whereas like you're like it's a no from me yeah and i feel like um about 10 years ago michael mcintyre's comedy was like really like relatable yeah i completely stories. get you yeah um and i think that comes from like uh, stand up and the different yeah uh, yeah how weird that's such a good point yeah Yeah. and that's changing so i don't know interesting (laughs) i don't know see if it moment i can't relate (laughs) (laughs) yeah not relatable (laughs) deceased (laughs) so we're gonna get on to some little reviewy reviewies so obviously um it's 2019 if and if it's you're aware 2019. it's 2019 um and this musical obviously opened in 2013 so recent reviews are very hard to come by because now it's kind of like stagnant and what critics think and that opinion isn't really going to be changed obviously there is reviews from the recent um production in manchester um but i obviously we didn't go see that so i feel like it would be unfair to mention those reviews but um, we have Michael Billington, oh, our friend. Oh, so Michael Billington was kind of like on the fence. He gave it three stars and he said, it is a, it was perfectly pleasant, which is an interesting way. Um, however, it's essentially safe, conservative show, conservative, for middle America. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It supports religion. Yeah. So what do you think about? I, oh, I uh, does it support religion? I don't know. I think it's kind of an in-between. I don't, but I still definitely think that it is, for a, definitely for a particular audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether it's for everyone, especially when we were sent at that theatre, like, it was very white. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I, I Again, I, I don't know whether it really stands on being for or against the religion, really, in a way, you that. know? I would agree. I don't know. I don't think I, ca- I came... I don't think that was its point either. I don't think it wanted you to come out of the show being like, the Mormon religion is a good or bad thing, you know? Yeah. Um. So, in 2014... Um, just Britain was just completely drawn down the middle. So Libby Purvis, um, she was just like, this is morally n- dull. Um, it's just pretty racist. She was really against this musical as a point of a, um, a person who is very outwardly feminist. Um, Quentin Letts in the mail labelled it cowardly, coarse and cynical. His review though, like really angered me to the point where he was just more annoyed that it was Christians that were being satirised. He really wasn't on on the board of um, of this take no prisoners umbrella, which is obviously what Parker and Stall is. I mean, have you seen South Park? <laughs> Literally, they're coming for everyone. He 
said this such an ignorant thing he said if you want to attack a rich religion why not militant islam and i was just like that is not the point of this show yeah it's no. not it's not critiquing reli- religion it, i mean it might well, no, it's, it, it's, it is it's, but like but it's not but what, he's thinking that it's 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 literally like dragging it through the dirt like yeah which book of mormon isn't it does still drag mormon through the dirt but it's in a it's in a fun way that, like, it's sort of positive as well, you know? Like, it drags everything through the dirt. And I yeah. think this guy is thinking that it's kind of like, oh, we're just pulling out the bad parts of it, you know? Yeah. And also, I feel like that's a tack on, like, he's saying, oh, well, why are you attacking, like, Christians? They're, like, privileged. They're all white. Like, I was just like, if you're saying, like, oh, just tack this other religion, and also your thing that you're saying, why not militant Islam, which is such an ignorant view? Yeah. No, that's view. so true. Shut up. Shut up, Quentin Let's. It was from the mail, so. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so, Ewan Ferguson, however, loved it, and he called it something like a miracle. Now, um, he obviously notes that it's the highest box office group day one ticket sales. Oh, 2.1 million after opening. Oh, wow. Jeez. Um, and it's obviously based off, um, a lot of musicals are based, sorry, this musical follows suit in the fact that a lot of musicals are based off the collision of cultures. Obviously, you've got like The King and I, Miss Saigon, South Pacific. They're all on these like acceptance, clash of cultures to see where this is going. Like, So, it, you know, it's going to be a hit because it's following the same structure yeah, yeah, as yeah. other ones. Um, he also says that... Okay, so this is what he's... He actually purposely critiques people who have said that it's offensive. And he says, um, it's recreational offensive. Like when um, he, he compares it to when Princess Diana died and it was like recreational grief that people just wanted to be sad even though they had no attachment to Princess Diana. <laughs> this like, if you're gonna... If you want to be sad and dwell on Princess Diana's death, you're 100% gonna be. If you're gonna want to be offended and recreationally offended by the show, you're 100% gonna be because yeah. it is offensive. It has these harsh, foul-mouthed, parodies of musicals it critiques the musical form it critiques um ugandans mormons religion race like it literally is a parody um so if you're going to be offended you're going to be offended like and there's no doubt about it um but he really notes how it is um catchy and fun and um just an anthem very commercial anthem no i get that oh um and just to finish, like his point, he does say that the re- he thinks that the, re- the the point of the show is to show that religion is a continuation of showbiz in America or in this country, I guess you could say. Oh, it's all about indoctrinating the show, the bizarre, the suspension of disbelief, the believing oh, in something else, which is very interesting. Yeah, really that is interesting. really interesting. Um, so I really liked that he. Uh, noted that yeah um but yeah also just a little fun fact that i'm just going to finish that whole review section so obviously the one group of people that we haven't talked about being kind of offended to this musical is mormons yeah um um one of their leaders posted this article on their official website and saying why i'm not going to see book of mormon and he was like it isn't because i am offended or think that it's morally wrong um it's because that as a christian and one of my mormon beliefs is that i always like to side with positivity and things that uplift um and i don't really have time for things that 
whatever he thought Book of Mormon was, but also because the Mormons that are represented um, in this and their relationship with Ugandans is really far from the truth. And he said, this is actually a really nice thing that a lot of the um, practices and the Mormon-sponsored programs in Uganda and other countries in Africa have actually done like loads of really good work. Oh. Like 34,000 um, wheelchairs were sent over there. Oh, um, wow. 17 countries have now gained access to clean water because of Mormon-sponsored programs. Um, and the Mormons that are presented are not actually the good work. Yeah. And that overrides any satirical jokes because they know in their Church of Latter-day Saints that that isn't what's happening. That's very true. And I was just like, oh my God. And those are the people that are getting literally critiqued. And it goes back to what you and Ferguson were saying as this recreational offensiveness. Like, if you're sat there as a white privileged person being like, I'm offended at this musical because it's taking the piss out of... um, Me. Like, uh, this African culture or this Mormon when you're not either of those groups. Like, yeah. Yeah, get a grip. You're not. Like... Yeah, very true. Okay, so now we are going to round up with our uh, curtain call. Um, So uh, we are going to do some little awards, which are obviously the most prestigious awards, like forget the Tonys, forget the Olivier's. It's really what you you want to be winning. So our first one is going to be our backstage hero. This is for a uh, creative who is part of the team that that we particularly thought were great um, and obviously didn't get the kind of round of applause and bow that obviously the actors do on stage. So my one I'm going to start with goes to uh, Casey Nicola, who was the uh, director and choreographer, uh, just because he uh, is a phenomenal director. I think the way that this show staged is amazing. Um, and just the idea of kind of uh, taking it's the mic of the, of the form is yeah. just so intelligent and so clever. So uh, yeah, my backstage here is going to Casey Nicola. My uh, backstage hero is actually going to uh, Brian McDevitt, who is the lighting designer. I mean, the lights are Mm. absolutely fantastic in terms of, like, spotlights. They hit every single mark, and you'd think a show that's based in Uganda would not need a lot of lighting design, but there's obviously the dream sequence. They have these LEDs all around the stage to make it kind of look like... I want to say, like, a disco at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They use so many gobos and lighting effects and split stage lighting and have it looking like uh, the bible comes to life with like glow in the dark costuming yeah it's just... kind of like lights for like jesus um it was insane and i and as we said about sound like bad sound you, good sound you don't really notice and bad sound you really do i feel like with lighting like good lighting you 100 percent notice yeah 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 absolutely Okay, uh, so star of the show next. Uh, this goes to someone that we thought stood out in particular in the cast. Um, mine is going to go to the um, lovely, um, I believe it was, if I'm finding it on my list quickly, where is she? Madison Swan. That was what mine was going to oh, be. Oh, no, it's fine. She can be ours both together. So it was Madison Swan. Just because, again, it was another prime example of someone in the ensemble just making sure every moment is just stolen. She, she was Her voice working. is phenomenal as well. Like, so, so good. Um, but yeah, she was just hilarious. So she has a voice in front of absolute age. She's a power. Yeah, that's so sad. good. And also, she had just such a dry sense of humor. Yeah, and she's so funny. Delivered. Like, so funny. Go you, Madison Swan. Go on, Madison Swan. She, um, she doesn't have many credits either. Yeah, she was uh, Rafiki at Disneyland Paris, but it was oh, her second year in uh, Book of Mormon. Interesting. Cool. All right, and finally, we're going to do our feathers. So, do you want to start with the feathers, Liz? Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to give this a 3.25 feathers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, 
oh, I don't know it's really hard because I'm definitely going off like my experience at the theatre I think if I was going off like how this musical is done and how it's become a blockbuster like it's really amazing to see the progression and how it's kind of like exponentially grown across the entire world like that would probably warrant it like at least full feathers but from my experience in the theatre watching it I thought the sound quality really made the production underwhelming at some points um the comedy although it was laugh out loud I wasn't hysterically laughing I wouldn't um, consider it the funniest musical ever um however the song's really great it was really efficiently directed um and I, I think if you really like cuff off the cuff comedy yeah i think you've just got to go sit in and just be like take a breath and be like this is what i'm going to experience tonight yeah if you go into it not thinking too like above it then i think you'll enjoy it Um, i'm gonna give it four stars but i'm also mixing my opinion of when i first saw it because obviously i've seen it twice that is a biased opinion and we can't (laughs) count it Uh, no it's, it's just because i think as a show overall it is very very good and it's very clever um, it's whether it's the best musical, I don't think it is. I don't think it's the funniest in the world, but I still think it's a really, really good production, regardless of whether the sound wasn't too great and I didn't think it kind of lost a bit of its spark. I still thought it was a fab show anyways. Um, the cast are amazing, the dancing's amazing, the stage is amazing, the lighting's amazing, the costumes are amazing. Like, you know, it's, it's a very strong show. Yeah. Um, and I think it will do very well over the next few years as well. Let's just see how the comedy changes. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Okay. Will it include more memes? <laughs> Okay, so where can we find you, Lucy Carruthers? You can find me at anthonyunderwood.com. Oh my God. Oh, Antoine XOXO on Shut Instagram. Up. Where can you find you, Anthony? <laughs> you can find me at Lucy Helen Performing Arts. Oh my God, you don't even know my handle. <laughs> Lucy Carruthers Performing Arts on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, you don't even have Twitter. I don't have Twitter. Um, I should probably get that. No, up. you can actually find me at uh, Anton Underwood on Twitter, Antoine XOXO with two E's on you Instagram. You need to change that. Get over him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, also follow our production company, Taxi Man Productions, at uh, Taxi Man Productions on t- uh, Instagram and Taxi Man Prod on Twitter. Uh, we obviously have announced our next show, which will be Tick Tick Boom. So if you want to check out, buy some tickets, possibly audition. Yeah, we'll all the information is uh, up on our Facebook page. Okay, and we're going to finish on our quiz. Quiz. This is what we are going to be seeing next so we will be giving you three questions each answer will relate to the show we are seeing so the first question is the writer of this uh what this musical is based off was also wrote famous books such as the queen and i and rebuilding coventry uh second question uh the director of this production uh is also putting on another show which is coming to the west end later on this year which is based on a famous shakespeare play um and finally is luke shepherd you can't ruin the answer. <laughs> it's true. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. The last question is, uh, this uh, book series also had a show spin-off which starred Julie Walters. So if any of you know that. I'm intrigued. That is the next thing we are going to be seeing. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll be on our 10th episode next time. Happy ah. anniversary. Oh my God. Let's have a, have a good rest of your weekend, guys. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.